Welcome back to another episode of Crosses and Graces. My name is Peter Holm, and here today we're going to continue our talk on Judaism. Seems quite relevant with a lot of different things that are going on today. Maybe hard to see, but we'll go and expand on that. That's what, you know, education is great. Now, before we get started, thank you to Restoring the Faith. Please make sure to subscribe, hit that like button if this helps you out. Make sure that you go and spread this, share this video with everybody else. Figure out what we can do to help people stay aligned with the truth. All right? Now, here we go. Question now. Why Judaism, right? How does it matter to us? Christians, Catholics, 21st century, all sorts of stuff. Well, again, we kind of talked about it in the previous episode. Christ cannot coexist with falsehood, cannot coexist with error. Christian doctrine must contradict, contrast, conflict with falsehood. Because that's the nature of truth. Truth is not going to be something that just is so wishy-washy and whatever. No, truth is mutually exclusive to falsehood. They cannot exist at the same time. And when you introduce falsehood into truth, it is no longer truthful, right? We gave the analogy of the car. You remove the car engine, you remove the tires, you remove the steering wheel, you remove headlights and stuff and the gas tank. And guess what? You got a pile of junk. It's no longer a car. Well, same goes for religion. We're no longer following God if we can deny many aspects of his truth, all or nothing. Okay? So, as Catholics, we do not have the luxury of falling on the wrong side of this war. Because we're going to pay harder than anybody else if we reject the doctrines that have been handed to us. We will suffer more greatly because we had the truth and rejected it. Peter talks about this in his letters. Since we have to go and spread truth, we have to teach it. This means we better know it. And one of the crosses that falls on our shoulders, again, to gain grace, to preserve grace, to help be mediums for grace, we need to educate people. So we need to educate ourselves, educate our children, educate our friends, educate our families, make sure that anyone who will possibly listen to us will hear truth. And we need to be beacons of truth. At all times, even when things get dark and even when things get crazy. We don't have the luxury of just being quiet and just saying, eh, whatever, someone else will do it for me. No, what if you're the guy, you're the gal? If that's the case, let's make sure we know our history and then we can educate. And this goes and fills in context with our theology, the catechism, our religious practices, our prayers. It all lines up. This is all or nothing gig. You cannot separate our living our religion, our faith, God, from politics, they're all together. So, two most important topics, religion and politics, we're going to cover them today. All right. Going back into Judaism now, where we left off. We talked about the temple being destroyed in 70 AD. So Vespasian led the army to stop and throw down the revolt. So it was basically four years of conflagration until it was finally squashed. And what does that do to Jerusalem? Well, rabbinic Judaism finally comes out on its own, has its, its own new faith. Why? All the old priests of the old Mosaic religion are dead, as we talked about. This means temple's gone, priests are gone, sacrifice is gone, scripture's gone, Christ is gone. They have this whole new man-made thing that they've just built, and they're now practicing this in Jerusalem. So 
the city of man is taking root now in Jerusalem, trying to push out the city of God. That's why this thing exists. Now let's fast forward uh, just over 60 years, and Simon bar Kokhba would lead a revolt against the Romans again. This time, he thinks he's the Messiah. He rebels, leads Jewish military forces to really do a lot of damage to the Roman 10th Legion. Suffice it to say, Rome is a little less than pleased that they uh, almost lost an entire legion. As a result, Rome sends six full legions and six partial legions all together to go make sure that this whole thing stops. It takes them about four years to quash the entire rebellion, and by the time it's done, about a half a million Jews have been killed as a result of the conflict and of the retribution exacted by the Romans for revolting. Really bad. This results in the fields being salted, remote settlements being raised, uh, teachers of the law being executed, so Jewish law, Jewish scholars being executed, uh, the calendar being outlawed, the Torah being outlawed, so the Jewish calendar being outlawed. A lot of changes going on. And then to top it all off, the Jews get expelled from Jerusalem. So prior to this whole set of events, there had been two centers of Judaism from which this new religion was developing. It was developing in Jerusalem, and it was also developing in Babylonia. Where's Babylonia? Babylonia is between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers. So this is over in present-day Iraq. And the city where they would end up in in the 3rd century to build this religion sits now where modern-day Fallujah is located. So it was called Pumbetia. I probably totally mispronounced that. But Fallujah is where they actually were developing the religion. Now, by the 2nd century AD, the Pharisees had actually put together and assembled their Hebrew Bible. By around 200, so right at the turn of the 3rd century, they're putting together the first part, the Mishnah in the Talmud. And by around 500, they're closing out the Talmud and writing the last bits in the second part and getting it all assembled so they know what their Judaism, their laws of Judaism, are. So they want to know how to practice it, all right? They have a religion then. But it takes them that 200 to 500 to get everything, and I guess 100 if we're going to count the 2nd century with the Hebrew Bible. So about 400 years to get everything assembled to say, this is what this religion is. Meanwhile, Christianity at this point is going on 500 years old. Judaism, for reference, is newer than Catholicism. Men fabricated a lot of it after the fact. By contrast, Catholicism was given to us by Christ and through the Apostles. Again, from Christ directly when he was here and then through the apostles afterwards. So Christianity is an older religion than modern man-made Judaism, for reference. Now, in the Talmud, though, and the laws that had been finally established, I told you last week a little bit, there's some weirdness going on, right? We have lying, cheating, stealing from the goyim. That's okay. We have sins of the flesh. That's okay. Some just odd things that set up some really weird cultural practices and some interesting behaviors that would then be shared by Islam, for instance. Islam would take on taqiyah, which allows them to lie. If they're going to coexist in a culture, they can sit low and say and believe whatever they want. 
because it's okay according to their legal instruction. The praying in the direction of the holy city that is practiced by both. Jerusalem was the original holy city for the Hebrews, and then it went from there to spread to Islam. Muhammad kept it, and they were praying towards Mecca. All right, so there's a bunch of relations. Uh, no pork, things like that. So they're all shared. The other things that come out of Judaism uh, when it's finally established, if there are angels, they don't even agree that there are angels, um, they don't have free will. They say Satan is just an idea, not actually the personified, strongest, most beautiful and knowledgeable creature ever created by God from the outset that rebelled against him. That they just totally ignore entirely. You have other things like that that are just not right. And, and why should we expect any different? When you leave truth, you leave Christ, well, then you're not going to actually be able to teach the fullness of the faith because right now there's only one faith on earth that does that, and it's Catholic. Okay? So, building. Now, we've seen there's some relationships here with Islam. There's some other oddness in terms of what they talk about exists and what doesn't. Whether or not sins of the flesh are actually sins of the flesh, or whether it's just it's okay, it's whatever. Even though our Blessed Mother tells us sins of the flesh are the reason most people go to hell, well, from Judaism standpoint, they don't agree. They don't think about that. When we then build and say, what is the cultural impact? What is the world impact of having a group like that? Well, meanwhile, so you have Judaism doing its thing. This is the remnants of the residents of Judah, Judea. This is the last of the Benjamites and, and the actual Jews of the blood of the tribe of Judah. And those types of folks, the Pharisees, writing down all of this stuff. Well, meanwhile, you have all of the northern tribes that are up to the northern part of Levant and Syria, all the way up into Turkey, into the Caucasus, that have been there for some time and have spread out from the beginning of time in history. Now, these guys, they are known by the Assyrians. So this is the Scythians, and that's a Scythian's a Greek word too. Uh, the Ashkazai, and so that's the Assyrian term for them. There's a handful of different groups, all of them claiming lineage back to Japheth, son of Noah. This means, by the way, that even though some of them may speak Hebrew or a derivative of a Semitic language, they are not a Semitic people because the Semitics would be the children of Shem, which would be in Abraham, and so on and so forth, down through Isaac, Jacob, David, Jesus, things like that, all right? Distinctions to know, but these guys are tracing their lineage up in, in the northern part, so separated from Judaism at first, um, they are tracing their lineage back to Japheth, son of Noah. Now, additional groups that are claiming lineage back to Japheth um, would then include folks like those in northern and a little bit eastern Europe. So, descending from Gomer was one of the claims. Gomer, they would live in an area referred to as Gomeria, otherwise also known as Germania. And now you see where modern Germany takes its name. It's from Gomer, son of Japheth. This is also when you look at Mongolia, the Mongols. The Mongols, that name is actually derived from Magog, Magog being one of the children of Japheth. So we have a handful of people here that are all involved with different lineages here. And one of the things that gets really interesting is when we look at the Ashkazai, 
Well, guess what? It sounds a lot like Ashkenaz, who was a son of Gomer, son of Japheth. Look at that. So we have a group of people all claiming they're coming out of the same line and then are spreading all over the place, who then, some early on, but others as late as the 8th century, start converting to Judaism. Now, not necessarily in mass, and Islam is out there, and Christianity is out there, and paganism is out there. So it's not that they're doing a majority, there's not a majority Jewish culture here from a standpoint of Judaism, um, but there is Judaism present. Now, why is this a big deal? Because what you end up having is a group of people with mismatched cultures and a religion that we've already said in Judaism that is not fully of the truth, and then it decides that in its own existence can coexist with falsehood, and then can start perpetuating falsehood, and then we see all manner of weird things start to come out of it, like the people, and like a falling away from their own core of what was actually established, if we can say that there was a core that is clearly discernible in terms of culture beyond the Talmud. What are these people like? Well, let's just go and compare them. These are people who claim Ashkenazi background. So when you see Ashkenazi and we look at, say, present-day uh, Israel, so nation established in 1948, a lot of them claim Ashkenazi heritage, like the first leader of the uh, establishment of the state itself, uh, David Ben-Gurion is a good example. So you guys look these up on Wikipedia. You can find all this stuff out there. But some other notable Ashkenazi Jews. So from family by blood in terms of the, where they claim they came from and the culture they take, Karl Marx. Karl Marx, his family, his father actually did convert to Lutheranism, but their family claims Ashkenazi heritage. Vladimir Lenin, Leon Trotsky, both of those guys involved in the standing up of the Soviet Union. Both claim Ashkenazi heritage. Saul Alinsky, instructor of some modern politicians, leaders, senior leaders. Again, big on Marxism. Um, we're going to add in families like the Lukacs. So Yorgi Lukacs, one of the principal founders of the Frankfurt School. Look that up. Frankfurt School is important. It helps you understand where we are today. And the other one that's also important from the Ashkenazi side would be the Rothschild family. Look them up, and you'll understand kind of what I'm getting at. There's a bunch of different people out here that all, because they're kind of separated from Christ, nearly separated from Christ, they end up having a whole different view of the world in terms of how it's all supposed to work and what they're supposed to get. And if you look at the teachings that come out of the, from the rabbis who are practicing Talmudic, this Talmudic religion, in the end they're talking about power, money, slavery. It's odd. But again, you can look it up. I would say research this yourselves. Build on what I'm giving you right here because the relevance that I'm trying to go and make sure to pass off to you is if one grows up in a culture where anything goes, they'll accept anything and everything, they end up then in absolute conflict with Christ and they cannot then work with us in a way that is constructive. And what do I mean they cannot work? If you will unrepentantly sin against Christ and say, I'm not changing, well, then that, due to that ideology, which is anti-Christ, well, there we go. We now have a, a conflict here, right? You and I, Catholics, watching this, our job, we have to stand against things that are not true. 
again, can all these guys who are still living, who are practicing weird religious practices, whatever, can they come around? Yeah, they can come around. They can convert. They can do some great things. Now, that doesn't mean they will, whatever. Who knows? Man can change. Do you know what can't change? That ideology that he holds, that's written down in those books, that will never change, and it's irreconcilable with truth. It's irreconcilable with Catholic theology. It's irreconcilable with God. Period and done. Ideologies can be damnable, even though the man who believes it can change and come around and be saved. Right? So let's make sure we focus on the fact that right now, our goal is to stand strong with Christ, despite the fact that this Talmudic Judaism thing has spread a lot of different errors and a lot of different cultures and a lot of different ways. It's the reason Protestantism can exist because Luther asked for inputs when he made his own ideology. It's because Islam, Muhammad grew up in an area where he took Jewish cultural things and aspects and built them into his new amalgamation of Christianity and Judaism and paganism. And that same vein, when Johann Andrea, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, by the way, starts to build out what the Society of the Rosy Cross will be, ultimately the forebears of the Freemasons, he combines the Kabbalah and he combines paganism and Christianity into this weird amalgamation of a pseudo-spirituality. In the end, if you can talk about money as more important than everything else, even good behavior and, and the Ten Commandments, well, then you can understand how socialism and all about money and power seems to then come to the forefront. Communism, Marxism, this whole thing. What's the whole common thread between all these ideologies? Christ is not God. Christ is not king in their mind. And therefore, anything goes. So you guys, my friends, we need to be wary of all doctrines, which ultimately are against us. We need to be very vigilant to make sure that we can spot the errors when they're presented. We need to make sure we can educate everyone around us in a way that's constructive and show them what Christian virtue is like, bear our cross as well, maintain our states of grace. Let's fight with truth. We have it on our side. All right? Submit ourselves to Christ, to his truth, to his grace. Go to Mass. Do your prayers. Educate yourselves. Let's keep this up. I hope this episode was helpful rounding out what Judaism is. If you have questions, throw the questions at me down below. I will answer when I get time. Make sure to like this video if it helps you out. And then uh, subscribe to the channel and thanks again. So thank you all for listening. May God bless us and the Virgin protect us. And as always, St. Joseph, pray for us. All right, have a good one.